0: Welcome to BiPACT News on the Jewish TV channel. I'm Justine Brooke Murray, and joining me today is Israeli-American screenwriter, Dan Gordon, who recently left the Writers Guild of America for their silence on the atrocities committed against Israelis on October 7th, while peddling every other trendy cause. He joins me now. You were part of the Writers Guild of America for 56 years. And you finally decided to leave after this guild just remained completely silent on the atrocities happening in Israel. What made this the point for you to finally leave after years of the guild promoting woke causes, BLM, George Floyd, LGBTQ issues? What made now the the time when you just decided to, to quit?
1: Well... I don't and did not have a problem with the Guild saying that uh, what happened to George Floyd was was wrong and, and people needed to speak up about it. I didn't have a problem with the Guild um, endorsing the Me Too movement. As someone who's been in Hollywood for over a half a century, I certainly know that women were taken advantage of by powerful men. Um, and by the way gay men were taken advantage of by powerful gay men as well that was part of the the culture of Hollywood Um, but those things pale in comparison to the beheading of babies I mean I think that one has to have a sense of proportion about these things we're talking about oh yes there's a culture that's Pervasive in Hollywood that is uh, demeans women and in some cases physically assaults women and and yes that's an awful thing. Women were not just assaulted on October seventh by Hamas terrorists. They were raped until their bones were broken and they couldn't close their legs. They were mutilated. They were burned alive. They were murdered. They were tied up to their babies and then burnt alive. They had their children murdered in front of them. If one cannot bring oneself in their own words to find a consensus to condemn that, After three weeks, maybe you don't have to do it within 24 hours, maybe you're in shock, maybe it takes time to get everybody on a Zoom call, maybe people have other things to do, fair enough. But after three weeks of deafening silence, um, they finally issued this lame statement which said uh, we couldn't find a consensus, and that really was the straw that broke the camel's back. If you can't, what that means is the probably the majority of the leadership did not want to offend the newer woke members of the guild, and so therefore they said nothing well, that's morally reprehensible. That's absolutely morally reprehensible. It's not that you have a broken moral compass, it's that you have no moral compass. And I knew that if I resigned publicly enough, I would have a platform at least for a day in which to speak out, uh, both against the cowardice of the Guild's leadership and also... If my guild wasn't going to condemn Hamas, then I, as sure as hell, was going to condemn Hamas in the loudest voice I possibly could.
0: Right? Why do you why do you think Hollywood and the entertainment industry is this way, where they're so afraid of of condemning, so afraid of condemning something that every everyone should condemn, as you mentioned, the rape and, and the most gruesome murders. They, they, on one hand, they tout the hashtag Me Too drums. They were major proponents of the so-called feminist movement, but now they're so quiet on this. And as you probably, you know, in many cases, a lot of mainstream celebrities just went straight to claiming that Israel's at fault. Susan Sarandon, Mark Ruffalo, I could go on and on. Why is it, why is this culture in Hollywood? Why does it seem so hypocritical to you? Do you do you think it's hypocritical and and why? Why why are they totally ignoring this?
1: Well, I think you need to divide two groups there. The Jews in Hollywood, or at least a significant number of Jewish celebrities, spoke out and spoke out very firmly, and. They were joined by a few courageous people like Chris Rock, who I have nothing but admiration for. Those Jews, I think, suddenly found out how alone they are in Hollywood. Uh, it takes no moral courage to uh, virtue signal and at hashtag me too. There is no moral courage in that because everybody in your social circle is doing it. So if you don't do it, you're not cool. You're not part of that of that uh, social circle. You're not. You, you in fact you you risk being uh, ostracized for being silent. So people jump into that. There are some true believers like Mark Ruffalo, who. Um, is either an asshole or he's a Jew-hating son of a bitch. And I, I wouldn't be afraid to say that to his face. I'd love to say that to his face. Yeah, but I think it's, and he may be both. But he he uh, definitely is one or the other. Um, I know Susie Sarandon not well. I worked with her once. I thought she was a very nice person. I liked her a lot, but I think she long ago fell into this rabbit hole which sees the world in a binary choice between oppressor and oppressed and if you are perceived to be white you are the the oppressor what most of these folks don't take into account is that the majority of israelis are uh, brown-skinned people whose families have been in the Middle East for 2,000 years before Mohammed's mother was born. that um, We are the indigenous people. We are the natives uh, to that part of the world. Um, but because Jews are perceived to have white privilege, quote-unquote Jewish privilege, then automatically they fall into that lot that one that one automatically feels duty-bound to condemn. Uh, and I'm sorry to see that with uh, with Susie sarandon because like I say, as a, as a person, I like her. I thought she was a very nice person to work with. She was a good colleague. Um, but I think her worldview is, uh, is bent very badly when someone who stands for women's rights cannot denounce the people who mutilated and murdered so many women on that day. I mean, all one needs to do is take a look at the horrible video of that poor young German-Israeli woman, Shani Luke, who was raped and pretty well beheaded, and then her body paraded through the streets of Gaza to the Shao of Allahu Akbar. If you can't condemn that, if you can look at at those images and still see a moral equivalence between Hamas and Israel, then you should question why God gave you eyes.
0: You mentioned a little bit earlier that you believe a lot of Jewish people who are, are working in the entertainment industry, they've realized how alone they are this past month. Yeah. and And Hollywood, obviously there's that stereotype, Jewish people in America, most of us are, are, are deemed liberal, and we, there's a lot of us in the entertainment industry. Do you think that, uh, have you spoken with with Jewish peers who have felt that rude awakening and maybe were more liberal than uh, before October 7th and are suddenly starting to maybe think a little bit differently about the world and and about the people who they thought were their allies in in progressive movements have they have some of them woken up
1: um i've talked to to people i don't know that they that it's so much a notion of oh maybe certain of my liberal notions were wrong it's that they suddenly feel very much Alone and very vulnerable, and many of them very frightened. And by the way, they have good reason to feel that way. Uh, I just, to, this morning, there was the news of a 69 year old Jewish man who was killed in Westlake Village, California. Well, that's where I raised my children. I lived there for 30 years. Uh, I would have told you that may have been one of the safest places. For Jews to live on planet Earth, he was killed at the corner of Westlake Boulevard and Thousand Oaks Boulevard. I I, I know exactly where it was because it was a quarter mile away from my house. And and he, it's not just that he was killed. The person who killed him has not yet been though. The police know who that was has not yet been arrested. Right now, it seems to me. In any other circumstances, where there's no question that this was a gentleman who struck the man who then fell backwards and hit his head, the medical examiner said, I can see a mark on his face. So I know he was struck in the face. And I was a reserve police officer in L.A. for 20 years, so I know a little bit about police work. Um, You would take that person into custody. You would call the D.A., Um, the first thing you would not do, as did, and I don't want to criticize the sheriff of Ventura County, but I guess I am. The first thing you would not do is say, well, in the light of this, we're going to protect the Muslim houses of worship and the Jewish places of worship. I I thought that was a rather odd juxtaposition. Um, But I think Jews need to wake up in this country and figure out who our friends are and who our friends are not. And I think that's a rude awakening for a lot of Jews. Um, but it is time for them to wake the hell up.
0: Speaking of in, in that case, where do we where do we go from here? Because the the Jewish people were such a, a small population and already you have you have Jewish people who who have not yet maybe waking up or who are, Peddling some some of the mantra, some of the anti-Israel mantra, and and although it's a, it is a small minority, they seem to be the loudest, and you have that plus a world of of people who we we thought were allies, and then they turn against us. So what do we do now? How do we how do we protect ourselves? How do we every every couple of years anti-Semitism. Rises this ugly head. It's really always been here, but every so often we're reminded once again. So how do we how do we defend ourselves?
1: Well, there's a couple things there. I don't think in my lifetime I've, I've ever witnessed anti-Semitism at the level that it is today and at the level of public acceptance in the media that it is today. That it is legitimized. When I grew up, the people that Jews had good reason to be concerned about were right-wing and uh, were Southern Baptists, and um, you know were sort of old-fashioned Jew haters. Um, today, um, the people that one has to be concerned about. Uh, are on the left. And evangelicals are amongst our very best friends. And I think we as Jews need are still living somehow in the 1960s when it was the other way around. And we need to make a course correction and realize, like I say, who our friends are and who our friends are not. Our friends are not the liberal left. I'm sorry to say. And there's always been a particular brand of Jew who uh, believes that if they just mouth the right mantra that is prevalent amongst the Jew hater, they'll be the last in the room to be eaten by the tiger. Well, um, they're mistaken. Um, And there may actually be some that actually believe the drivel they espouse, in which case... You know, I'm reminded, I once did a movie some years ago called Gulag, and I interviewed probably 100 people who were former inmates in the Soviet Gulag. There was a guy whose name I remember, whose name was Berger, and he was a Russian Jew who had spent 35 years in the Gulag. And he said he remembered someone literally on the transport from Lubyanka prison who turned to him and said, if only comrade Stalin knew what was going on. That's the level of self-delusion of which some people are capable. So there may actually be some Jews out there who believe the drivel that they're espousing. Um, I think there are others who, like I say, espouse it in the vain hope of being the last in the room to be eaten by the tiger. but whatever the case may be, I think the majority of the Jews in the United States need to figure out who their friends are, who their friends are not, and, and make some adjustments in their lives. And it's going to be uncomfortable. Right. You may have to resign from a board or a guild. You may have to notify a university at which you've been giving scholarships. You're not going to give those scholarships anymore. You're not going to support that university anymore. Uh, And you may have to find some new folks to support and some new causes with which to align yourself. But um, this is a dangerous time for Jews in this country, and we ought to wake up to it.
0: Do you believe that part of the reason American Jews especially have, a lot of them have turned away and, and maybe even stuck their heads in their sand, at least up until October 7th, is is the fact that they're comfortable living in America right now and and despite all of our problems, we've been a very, a very, very good country. It's it's almost as if um, and personally in my own experience, I'm young, I'm part of Gen Z. So a lot of my Jewish peers in, in college and even in high school growing up, they didn't have the memory of anti-Semitism that their parents and their grandparents had. They were comfortable, and we grew up in the early two thousands, where we were told everything was was just getting more progressive, and we were all tolerant, and diversity and inclusion was being pushed in our school curricula. So we thought all these problems were already solved. Do you think that's maybe part of the issue? You
1: think now? Let me uh, turn the tables and ask you: What do you think now?
0: I. I was completely wrong when I thought, um, although I learned, I learned my lesson a a little bit earlier than my peers did. And I think some of my peers and even family members who are more on the left still believe are still wearing rosy glasses and, and Mm -hmm. think that we're not in trouble, but I experienced anti-Semitism from the left in college Mm -hmm. and it's, it was interesting to see that my Hillel group, and I'm sure you know Hillel, they got angry with me because I wrote an article exposing a dormitory advisor for taping up an anti-Semitic poster on the wall, an image w- of the SARB David with a slash over it. And they said that I should take the article down because as anti they said, quote, as anti-BDS trained activists, we're taught we don't want to poke the bear if something happens, because it could cause more anti-Semitism. So that, that was my personal experience. Um, and it and it woke me up very early. And I was raised properly. My parents always warned me that what what they experienced and that it it will never really change. But I don't think it's the same for a lot of young people, a lot of young Jewish people, and a lot of older Jewish liberals who have been living in America for a long time and who who maybe didn't wake up until October 7th.
1: Yeah, I think you're probably a wiser generation in terms of your awareness of anti-Semitism than your parents' generation, um, because I think There's not a Jewish kid on a college campus today who has not experienced anti-Semitism. And if your parents are in their 40s, mid-40s, maybe up to 50, they probably never experienced anti-Semitism. I know, you know, you're young enough to be my granddaughter. So I know that my sons, who are in their 40s, never experienced anti-Semitism until now. So incredible it is a a, an awakening for them and i was born in a different time and and i was born in a little oaky arky town in in california and it was called bell gardens made up mainly of people who came out during the grapes of wrath era and we were the only jews in town and i became an ardent zionist at eight years of age, because that's when I was attacked by a group of about eight or 10 kids who mm-hmm. were three or four years older than me, who right. uh, tortured me in ways that I don't even feel comfortable talking about to this day. And I suddenly I got a very good wake up call at eight years of age. And but my children never experienced that. Never experienced that. They grew up in that wonderful town of Westlake Village in California, where today a man was murdered for standing up for Israel. And I think that that has brought it home to my own sons, uh, probably in a in a more immediate way than I can describe. That they, that was their very comfortable home. But I, I do think that that your generation of people who are on college campuses today have already experienced anti-Semitism. And in regards to your Hillel group telling you, shh, 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 that's really an old diaspora Jewish attitude. You know, there was a rabbi Stephen S. Weiss, who was the great American Jewish liberal rabbi, there's a synagogue named after him. Right. Very connected. He knew Roosevelt and he knew everybody. And when it became clear that the Holocaust was in full scale and people were trying to get uh, FDR to do something, he famously said the Jews ought to be quiet. And that was in the face of the Holocaust, of Hitler, when he knew what was going on. And the advice was, Shh, we don't want to make too much noise. It's time for us to make some noise. It's time for Jews to fight back. It's time for Jews to get a little bit stiff-necked and not apologize for being Jewish and not say, yes, the massacres were terrible, but you have to understand the horrors of the occupation. That's bullshit. Excuse me. The first time I was ever shot at in my life was in 1963 as a high school kid living in Israel. And I had volunteered to leave my kibbutz to go to Kibbutz Nahalos, where just a month ago, scores of people were murdered and kidnapped. And there was no occupation in 1963. There were no territories. There were no settlements. There were no refugees from 1967 and 1963. I was planting a palm tree with another kid when Fedayun terrorists from Gaza opened up with machine guns on us. And happily you saw two Jews break the land speed record and, and get out of harm's way pretty quickly. But uh, all the excuses that legitimize mass murder that are being offered up by the enablers of Hamas and their apologists, namely the occupation and the settlements, uh, there were no such things in 1963. And you say, well, yes, but they were, they were refugees from 1948. Well, it would do people good to know their history because the Jews of Hebron were massacred, as were the Jews of Jaffa massacred in the 1920s and 1930s before there was a state of Israel. Right. Because there was a strain of Palestinian Arab, not all of them, but definitely a strain that would not accept A Jewish presence of any kind, of any size, anywhere in Israel. And people need to remember that in 1936, there was a thing called the Peel Commission, which gave the Jews a state that would have gone from Tel Aviv up north, turn right at the Valley of Jezreel and include part of the Lower Galilee. It was basically the size of L.A. County. And David Ben-Gurion famously said, Yes, we'll take it because he knew that the Jews of Europe needed a place to go to, and there was no such place. The Arabs of Palestine, led by Hajjamin al-Husseini, who was the sort of George Washington of the Palestinian National Movement, said, No. Now you have to ask yourself: Where did Hajjamin al-Husseini, the George Washington of the Palestinian National Movement, spend World War II? He spent it in Berlin with Hitler advising him on how to set up Muslim SS death squads in Yugoslavia. He was a wanted war criminal. And where did he go after World War II when he was a wanted war criminal? He went to Gaza where he became the first ruler of the all-Palestine government in Gaza up until 1959. So when people tell me about, oh, the Jews brought this on themselves, that was the Hitlerian lie. Except now, instead of saying, well, we're the uh, multi-tentacled uh, Bolsheviks, which was the Hitlerian lie, we are the white supremacist, colonialist, pigs, oppressor of the masses of uh, the downtrodden uh, Palestinian people who, but for us, would welcome us with open arms and join hands and live with us in peace. There are Palestinians who would do that. Unfortunately, there's Hamas. And by the way, the the Palestine authority differs from Hamas in in degree, but not in kind.
0: They fund them. They they have the Palestinian martyrs fund, the pay to slay program. And we fund it. Our our government restored taxpayer money. But it, it just seems what, what really, what really just boggles me, but I guess, I mean, it's a pattern of the people, the same people who want to make a moral of equivalence with Hamas terrorists and Jewish people trying to survive is that everything, every form of terrorism, they're now openly calling resistance. I remember back, back when I was in college, I did a a little undercover project and I filmed this crazy group affiliated with my campus that openly, openly supported Hamas. And I thought, oh, this is, this is absolutely insane. But I realized you don't have to go undercover anymore to Mm -hmm. expose that. They're openly saying Hamas is, is some type of resistance group. And when they say by all means necessary, they include, they include the rape, the the most brutal executions that we saw on October 7th. Yet it seems that sometimes they go back and forth. They can't decide whether to pretend that didn't exist, that didn't happen, as if they're denying the Holocaust again, um, or to justify it, because it, it's almost a form of double speak that they're the, these anti-Semites, both in the Middle East and and their proponents here, they're either saying, well, it didn't really happen or it did happen, but uh, it, it was it was justified. What do you respond to that with?
1: Well, I think you're absolutely right that it is a double speak. The point is they're going to try and neg- negate your legitimacy even though what they're saying makes absolutely no sense. On the one hand, it never happened. Well, show me the pictures of the dead babies. Come on now. And how many dead babies were there? But if there were, it's legitimate resistance by any means necessary. You know, I saw Queen Reina uh, of uh, Jordan speaking to Christiana Mampur, who has always seen herself as the moral arbiter of right and wrong in the Middle East, though I don't know who appointed her to that august role. (laughs) I had the pleasure of being her escort officer as a member of the Israeli Army military spokesperson unit in the Second Lebanon War. And she was recently interviewing Queen Reina, who said, yes, the attacks were terrible, but you have to understand they didn't happen in a vacuum and the history of the Middle East didn't start on October 7th. And this is the logical outcome of the oppression of the the occupation. And you know, Ms. al is not stupid. She might even know her history. And if she does, she would know that Queen Reina's father-in-law, King Hussein of blessed memory, and I say that not sarcastically, because I knew King Hussein. I met with him several times. I considered him at the end of his life as close to a holy man as everyone, anyone I've ever met. But that same King Hussein slaughtered thousands of Palestinians and expelled tens of thousands of Palestinians in what was called Black September when they tried to assassinate him and, by the way, Queen Reina's husband, who was then a child. Uh, and King Hussein begged the state of Israel to intervene on his behalf so that when Syrian tanks started coming in to support the PLO who was trying to topple him and create the Palestinian state in Jordan, the state of Israel threatened to go to war with Syria unless they backed off. And it was Israel that saved King Hussein and his son, King Abdullah, the husband of Queen Reina, who so piously talked about the war crimes of Israel. And if she knew even more history, which I'm sure Christiana Mampur does know, King Hussein's grandfather of blessed memory, after whom King Abdullah is named, was assassinated on the steps of Al-Aqsa Mosque, the third holiest place in Islam, not by Israeli settlers, but by Palestinian terrorists. So the hypocrisy of people who cherry pick incidents, not even facts of history, and use them to somehow find a moral equivalence between people who genuinely want to live in peace with their neighbors and people who openly and proudly state that their goal is the genocide of the Jewish people. Right. Amazes me that, you know, it is it is the, the chutzpah of the person, you know, of, of Hamas playing this game of, say, of starting a war with a massacre and then complaining, oh my goodness, the Jews are being too rough in their treatment of us and they're committing war crimes. It's rather like the child who murders both his parents in their sleep and then throws himself on the mercy of the court on the grounds that he's an orphan. Uh, I, I don't know that you can get uh, more hypocrisy than that.
0: As you mentioned earlier with some of the rhetoric Susan Sarandon has peddled this idea that well we're automatically going to deem Jews as the oppressors because we they, they look white at least here in America there's a lot of Ashkenazi Jews that seems to be the narrative that all Jews are white and therefore privileged when as you mentioned most Jewish people living in Israel are Middle Eastern they're they're not white but it, no matter how many no matter how many facts that we don't even have to present, it's just there. They seem to purposely brush over that fact. in fact and and you know during Nazi Germany, Jews were murdered for one of the reasons not being white and all of a sudden all Jewish people are considered white. Do you believe it's because now it's it's it, it's deemed, uh, you're you're an oppressor if, if you're white, and therefore, well, they of course want to they want to label Jewish people with anything that's wrong, anything that's wrong of the current time. So suddenly we just switched races automatically. I
1: honestly, think that if one wants to find evidence, whether you call it a Satan or of a force of pure evil in the world. Jew hatred is is the proof that it exists. It is completely irrational. We have been hated for being Bolsheviks and we're hated for being capitalists. We're hated for being white and we're hated for being not white enough. We're hated for being different and then we're hated for being people who try to be the same. We're hated for assimilating and we're hated for being clannish. We're hated for being poor in the nations in which we were poor, and we were referred to as rats and vermin, and we're hated for being rich. We're forced into occupations because we're Jews and then hated for succeeding in them. Um, The labels make no difference. The label is whatever pair of clothes Jew hatred can put on that is fashionable in that particular moment. And it really doesn't matter what the clothes are. They're the legitimization for a totally, honestly, demonic, irrational hatred of a people who have probably benefited mankind more than any other people in the history of the human race.
0: It's that being said, we've no matter how many times we've been persecuted and how many attempts to wipe us off the face of the earth, we keep surviving and we don't just survive, we survive and we contribute more and more to society. Do you think that a, a major factor right now, and and in my opinion, it's it's been a factor for ha- hating Jews in the first place, a major factor contributing to the thousands of years of anti-Semitism, the fact that we do keep getting back up and that we have a culture that is very productive and that we do manage to find ourselves in leadership positions, in positions where we've actually helped The world and and we've helped ourselves but not just ourselves other people where in in top positions in in academia but also in the medical field in technology do you think that people right now at least in this day and age that might be a major contributing factor to the anti-semitism just blatant jealousy
1: you know Anti Semitism, as I say, which I I don't like the phrase anti Semitism, it's Jew hatred. Right. Jew hatred doesn't really need a logical reason. So, in my father was born in Tsarist Russia. Jews of Eastern Europe were abysmally poor. Right. Nobody in Tsarist Russia was jealous of the social position of a Jew. Jews were defenseless, by and large, at the at the lowest rung of the economic status of the time. Um, they were less than second class citizens. No sane Russian was ever jealous of a Jew. So we would say, oh, yeah. The reason for anti-Semitism or Jew hatred is because they're jealous of how successful we are. Yeah, well, that might be the excuse of the day, but in the areas and the times where Jews were the poorest of the poor, Jew hatred still existed. If you take a look at the plight of, of Middle Eastern Jews, Jews were Jews of Yemen were less than second-class citizens, and they, even though they developed skills and they were artisans and they learned to be silversmiths because they were kicked out of other professions, uh, a Jew could not, you know, I remember when I was a kid in Israel, I went to a Yemenite synagogue on one Tish and and here were and again, this is 19, in the early 1960s. So you, you had people who were of a generation who just came to Israel really 10, 12 years before. So I was in this, and they weren't old people. They were in their 40s, you know, that, in their 30s. And as they prayed, they sat on the, the dirt floor of the synagogue and they rocked back and forth in this kind of emotion. And I said, well, that, that's really interesting. Why do they do that? And I, I asked someone to explain it to me. And he said, that is the motion of a person who's riding a camel. And in Yemen, no Jew could ever be physically higher than a Muslim. So you couldn't be on a camel if you were a Jew in the presence of a Muslim. It was insulting. So, I guarantee you those Yemenites, who were not Jewish, were never jealous of the Jews who were persecuted there. Um, they say, Jew hatred will find whatever excuse it needs. But it's always irrational. It's pretty damn near demonic. It's, it's a kind of horrific virus that's worse than cholera, that's worse than uh, COVID. That's, it, it's a kind of plague, and it's a kind of collective madness right. that that um, otherwise sane people seem to be affected by. And people who, again, you would say, when I was a kid, the people who were Jew haters were, by and large, ignorant. So you would say, well, if only they were educated. Well, today the Jew haters are, by and large, Fairly well educated, it hasn't helped a bit. The most educated and cultural people on earth were the Germans. Yeah, the most cultured people that ever lived. They were the the people of Beethoven and Mozart, of Bach. If if culture was the was the 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 uh, uh, the word in Hebrew is chisun the. Uh, the thing that makes you immune from uh, anti-Semitism, then the the Germans would have been the least anti-Semitic people on the face of the earth. No one was more cultured than the Germans. But Jew hatred doesn't care about education, doesn't care about culture, doesn't care about economic status. You know, some of the wealthiest Brits you'll ever meet are some of the biggest Jew haters. Some of the poorest Irish you'll ever meet are some of the biggest Jew haters. There's Jew hatred in China where there are no Jews. (laughs) Um, That there is Jew hatred in Japan where there are no Jews. All right. Not
0: even a chapter.
1: Yeah, it is. It is absolutely demonic. Um, But it is there, it is a fact of life, and Jews ought to wake up to it, and as I say, um, act accordingly. And, And honestly, if anyone thinks or thought that Israel's fight is not our fight as Jews of the diaspora, or that, God forbid, if it wasn't for Israel, we wouldn't be hated as much as we are, now you realize what a fool's paradise you've been living in because the whole nonsense of occupation and genocide, if it were occupation and genocide, let me ask you a quick question. How many civilians, Muslim civilians, Muslim Arab civilians have been killed in the Yemen civil war? You know the number?
0: I don't, but I do know that the number has gone in Gaza. There's more Arabs living in Gaza than ever before.
1: Yes, well, that's a different thing. If if we were committing genocide, one should see fewer people there than were in 1967. And in fact, the population of Gaza and the West Bank has quadrupled since 1967. So I wish that our people had suffered the kind of genocide that the Palestinians are complaining about, because then there would be 250 million more Jews on the face of the earth, which I wouldn't mind. But, but that's beside the point. As I say, in Yemen, 340,000 civilians have been killed. Do you see any marches, wow. any rallies protesting the death of the poor Yemenis?
0: Nope, not really? at
1: all. In China, 1.5 million Muslim Uyghurs are in concentration camps. Is there anyone out there marching against communist China because of the persecution of the Muslim minority in, in China? No one. So fact, yeah. the, the nonsense you. of this is done out of our our concern for humanity, and we would act the same in the face of any injustice directed to any minority Again, it's total and complete bullshit. It's a legitimization of of Jew hatred. The people who care the least about the welfare of the Palestinian people are Hamas.
0: Thank you so much for your time, and thank you for for joining me and and for explaining why you why you left, and 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 th- also thank you so much for your bravery and for speaking up. It it is hard. I. I understand how hard it is in academia to speak up against what seems like a, a, a mob of thought leaders forcing you to believe one thing, but especially in the entertainment industry. So, kol Haka'vod to you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you again for joining us on BIPACT News on the Jewish TV channel. Tune in for more great programming on anti-Semitism, anti-Zionism, and miseducation.